The biggest newsbreakers in NFL media can't stop talking about a potential Aaron Rodgers trade. We're getting nugget after nugget after nugget about where this could end. Plus, I was watching the divisional round games and thinking even more about some of these lessons. And so because we missed mock draft Monday, I put together a little mock that might help us understand how this team could change in just one draft using at least one of these big lessons. All of that on today's show. You are locked on Packers. I feel like we can run the table. Your daily Green Bay Packers podcast. Rodgers gets out. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Floats it. Your team every day. Touchdown. You're locked on Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm Peter Bukowski, and I cover the Packers for The Leap, a newsletter I would love for you to subscribe to. Follow me on Twitter, Peter underscore Bukowski. Follow the podcast on Twitter, Locked On Packers. Like us on Facebook. Subscribe to the podcast, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked On Packers, the number one Packers podcast on the internet. And the show for fans who know what happened, they want to know why and how. I have been enjoying the last couple of days because this is like I have been talking a lot about Aaron Rodgers because I always talk about Aaron Rodgers because he is the most important player on the team that I cover every single day and I've gotten some flack from people who are like why do you keep talking about this rent free all that nonsense but here's the thing so and we touched on this yesterday Adam Schefter comes out over the weekend about the possibility of a trade, how both sides are aware of it. And then he goes on to essentially predict this is a thing that he thinks is going to happen, that the Packers are going to listen to offers, that they're going to do more than passively listen. They are going to gauge the market. They're going to see what they could get from Aaron Rodgers. And Peter King even mentioned in his piece that he wrote yesterday that Adam Schefter, when he's just extrapolating or just projecting or just, um, you know, speculating wildly, as some of us in the media are wont to do, he will generally couch it more than Adam Schefter did. I thought that was an interesting thing to say. Then Rappaport goes on McAfee's show and says... The money is not prohibitive because it's not 15 million on that new cap uh, in year one. I think it's 35 or something close to that in year two, 30. It's not much at all. It's 100 million in cash, but on the cap, it's less than half that. And that's the important number because these owners have enough money to pay Aaron Rodgers whatever. It's then can you build the team around them? And the answer is unequivocally yes. And Rappaport says if a team gave them an offer that they thought was good, they'd probably take it. A first for sure and more probably was the way that he phrased it. Peter King took it a step further and said, could Nathaniel Hackett be going to New York? He interviewed in New York and Woody Johnson is getting up there in age. What what does he care? Here's two first round picks. And you go from there. This is getting to the point now where 
I have reached the conclusion that we are in the when, not if stage of the Aaron Rodgers trade saga. He is going to be traded. You don't get to this point where now every major newsbreaker in the space is going, yeah, I think this could happen. Not, yes, this will happen because we can never be there unless someone is demanding to be traded. And even when Aaron Rodgers was whatever he was doing behind the scenes in terms of the trade, you know, he he said on the record at a press conference that he told the Packers, trade me if you want to stay with Aaron, if you want Jordan Love to be the quarterback, you know, in a year or whatever he said, if you want to go with Jordan, just trade me. Well, it, it sounds like the Packers might want to go with Jordan in a year. And what's really interesting is, and we've, you know, we've sort of hinted at this and talked around it. And I said last week that I think the only way that that this can go, this split can go well for Aaron Rodgers at this point is if we reach amicable. If we reach a point where the narrative becomes, look, these these two sides wanted to make it work, but ultimately they just couldn't agree on the, the right path moving forward. Aaron Rodgers gets to say, you know, they didn't, they didn't see it the way that I did. They wanted to go younger. They wanted to rebuild a little bit, which could just mean no big Bob Tunyon, no Alan Lazard, no Randall Cobb, and no splashy offseason move guaranteed. For the Packers, it could just be like, we think it makes more sense to go draft a, a tight end and, and rather than big back, bring back Big Bob and maybe sign a, a veteran receiver and draft somebody than to pay $14 million for Alan Lazard. But both sides get to say, look, it just didn't work out. It's amicable. It won't be, but that can be the narrative. And each side gets to say, we were not the ones that made this happen. It was just two sides that couldn't get to the right place. And one of the reasons why that's the case is because the Packers have been saying for two years on the record, we want Aaron Rodgers as our quarterback. So whatever is happening behind the scenes where Rodgers is feeling disrespected or whatever it is, we don't, we don't, we're not privy to that information. We're only privy to what they're saying publicly. And so I think the court of public opinion in a lot of ways has changed so that people are looking at this now going, well, what more do you want, Aaron Rodgers? You just got $50 million a year on this last contract. You have, have been able to have heavy say in the offense. You're being consulted in the personnel. You're the one saying, I'm in these conversations now. I feel good about all this stuff. So if you're not happy, what is the problem? And I think the reality is sort of in the middle where it's just like, okay, the Packers want Aaron Rodgers back in the right scenario. Aaron Rodgers would like to be back in the right scenario. And those right scenarios are not congruent. But here's the last part of this, because, you know, a lot of that is me just rehashing stuff we've already kind of talked about. We've talked around or talked tangentially about and, and even referenced directly at times. But this idea that the Packers are going to get a pittance for Aaron Rodgers is nonsense. It is absolute, complete and utter nonsense. Like I, I mentioned this on Twitter. Von Miller went for a second and a third for half a season of Von Miller. The Rams did not know if Von Miller was going to resign and ultimately he didn't and it's a trade that you make 10 times out of 10. It cost two 
first round picks, including a top 10 pick to get Matthew Stafford. And the Rams would do that trade 10 times out of 10. It took a conditional first and stuff to get Carson Wentz, a bad quarterback, a guy that Philadelphia did not want. And everyone in the NFL knew wanted to be traded and they wanted to trade. And the Colts gave up what ended up being a first round pick for him. He was the same old Carson Wentz and the commanders gave up multiple day two picks to get him. Sam Darnold, Sam Darnold was traded for three draft choices, including a top 50 pick. Sam Darnold has been a bad quarterback his entire career. A a first round pick, I get it, but a bad quarterback. And the Panthers paid a premium to get him and picked up his option. I think I will say Packer fans because they are the only ones, well, and troll Viking fans, Bears fans, whatever, underestimate the value of Aaron Rodgers to the rest of the league and underestimate how desperate some of these other teams are for a quarterback, for a playoff win, for anything. And and I, I'm not entitled town guy. I don't, I don't do that. I don't complain about the entitlement of fans or, or even in this case, what is just, you know, a little, uh, what, what I would call harmless ignorance to the, to the point that it's been 30 years of Aaron Rodgers and Brett Favre. And all this fan base knows anyone who's like under 40, all they know is winning. And great quarterback play. And so when you're a Jets franchise that hasn't had a franchise quarterback since Joe Namath, and Joe Namath comes out and says, Aaron, you can have 12. It's been retired, but you can play in it if you come to New York. Like that fan base would, they would be a million Rodgers jerseys sold the first day. The Panthers are are owned by David Tepper, who wants desperately to win, who has more money than God. Yes, he would pay the money and the money on the cap is good. It's good. It's a really good deal for whoever trades for Aaron Rodgers. So I just like some of this has gotten silly. Yes, even if you're only guaranteed a year of Aaron Rodgers, someone is giving up a first round pick for Aaron Rodgers at least. So you could get the Raiders to give you seven in Darren Waller. That's been the trade that I've been talking about. The Jets, 13 and Elijah Moore. That's a trade I've been talking about. If Peter King thinks Woody Johnson would give up two first-round picks, I think what that tells you is there is still very much an appetite for Aaron Rodgers around the league for whatever shenanigans are are off the field, for whatever attitude issues there are. Everyone sees an all-time great player because that's what he is. Now, is he that consistently now? We'll see if he can stay healthy somewhere else. Great. I've even seen some Packer fans going, I hope Aaron Rodgers goes off when he gets traded and has the the Matthew Stafford sort of storybook ending. Now it's not over, but he goes and wins the Super Bowl because he should have more than one, and he should. He couldn't get it in Green Bay, probably can't get it this year in Green Bay. And so you, you go from there. So this is the biggest story of the offseason. Not for the Packers, it is for the Packers too. This is the biggest story in the NFL in the offseason. It's Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady. What are they going to do? That's the biggest story of the offseason. 
And so everyone is talking about it. Everyone is watching it. And that also, that creates a little urgency. That creates a little, uh, you know, that, that press on the demand side. Because yes, there are two of these guys, but one of them you're going to have to trade for. One of them you're going to have to sign outright, which means you have to compete. Whereas if you trade, that's my guy. It's done. He's here. My conclusion in all of this is this is happening. The Packers are going to get conversation for Aaron Rodgers. And very soon, probably before the new league year, I would guess it gets announced that there's going to be a trade. Now, now that I've done this, of course, Aaron Rodgers is going to go on Pat McAfee's show today and say, you know, I said that I wasn't going to have a, uh, a decision by today. But guess what? I've decided and I'm coming back. The Packers and I have agreed it's going to be a whole thing and this is going to look dumb. I don't I don't think that's going to happen, but that would just be I don't know, it'd be pretty funny to me. Maybe maybe just me. All right, I want to talk about what's going on with the divisional round and what happened and a trend that you might be familiar with as a Packer fan. We're going to talk about that in a second. Today's episode brought to you by our friends, our new very good friends at FanDuel. We're so excited to have a new sports betting partner for Locked On because they're the number one sports book in America. And if you're new to FanDuel, that's even better because there's so many great features that make betting on sports fun and easy. I got hooked on same game parlays using FanDuel. There's so many, I had had to learn so much about odds, about line movements, about all sorts of things because it was, I'm just like, wait, what is this? Oh, I want to do this. Oh, I want to try this. Oh, I can bet the Packers to win between one and seven. And I get I get this kind of odds on that. Oh, that's that's great. And so FanDuel makes it easy to do all of those things. You might have to figure out what it what a parlay means and what implied odds and those kinds of things means if you, you know, if you really want to be good at it. But that's don't be that's not a reason to be afraid of it. That's a reason to embrace it. It's this fun new thing that you can do. So don't miss out. Place your first $5 bet. This is the beauty of it. You get to learn for free if you need to learn. And if you don't need to learn, great. Come just get some free money. First $5 bet, you can get $150 in free bets, win or lose at FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel.com slash locked on. $5 bet gets you $150 in free bets, win or lose. And after Dallas lost, I could use that money. I really could. I had Dallas plus four. Not my favorite. Not my favorite. Thanks for making Locked On Packers your first listen every day. Subscribe to the Locked On NFL and get daily conversations on the biggest NFL stories, plus in-depth analysis on the biggest games with NFL key predictions every Friday. And Monday, local insiders cover the weekend with game-to-game episodes, Locked On NFL, available on YouTube or wherever you get podcasts. Tell me if this sounds familiar to you. The Buffalo Bills were favored in a big game, in a big season where it looked like everything had aligned for them narratively and play on the field. And they've got a home playoff game and they're locked in. Emotional stakes are high. And they go out and offensively, they can't consistently move the ball because they rely so much on their quarterback wearing a Superman cape and the unique individual talent of their best wide receiver. 
And beyond that, not much else. Is this sounding familiar? And in Santa Clara, the Dallas Cowboys lost because they couldn't score enough to beat a seventh round rookie quarterback, a quarterback that no one thinks is super talented, but is just gritty, so gritty. Um, there were some special teams questions for that for that Cowboys team. And they, on offense, relied so heavily on their quarterback being great and the unique individual talents of their number one receiver and not much else. Is this sounding familiar at all to anyone? This has been the Packers for the last few seasons. Yes, the offensive numbers have looked really good, just like they did for the Bills, just like they did for the Cowboys in the regular season. And then the postseason comes around and you don't have enough because just Stephon Diggs or just CeeDee Lamb and your quarterback is not enough. Even if you get a quality defensive performance, you need to be multiple. You need to be diverse in how you can attack teams. And the Bengals, they've got Joe Mixon, they've got Samaj P. Ryan. They've got three receivers who can beat you, including a 1A and a 1B receiver. You've got the 49ers where it's just like crazy what you can do lining up in 21 or 12 and, and play big personnel and then spread the field out and make linebackers cover Christian McCaffrey because he can run the whole, whole route tree and Kyle Juszczyk can run the whole route tree and George Kittle can run the whole route tree. And then you've got Debo Samuel and you've got Juwan Jennings. I mean, Juwan Jennings, look, he's not any more talented or less talented than someone like Alan Lazard or Romeo Dobbs or some of these other guys. But because you have these other guys who can tilt the field, I didn't even mention Brandon Ayuk. There's so much you can do to stress defenses because you can't just key in on one guy. This skill position, it's not even a renaissance because it's always been understood that having more good skill position players is good. But I think what we're seeing is the limits of offenses that just have the great quarterback and the great receiver. It's Aaron Rodgers was the two-time MVP. And in that first game, he lost to a future Hall of Famer because he had Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Rob Gronkowski. Like, those are elite skill players. And so... They have a bunch of them, and they all hurt the Packers in that game. Now, Marquez Valdez-Scanling had a great game in, in that one, and that was a that was a big part of what happened. The Packers' defense was, was part of the issue there, but they still only got 26. They were the they were the one of the best defenses of or one of the best offenses of the last 30 years. And they couldn't get to 30 at home. They they would cruise to 30 at home most games. We know what happened in 2021. Another really good offense. They run up against a defense that was able to key in on Devontae Adams, take away some of the short underneath stuff that they wanted to use, some of those RPO looks, and the offense had nowhere to go. So that brings us to the now. I understand the defense is still a problem. 
The defense is still the worst thing on this team, especially the run defense. But that doesn't mean the goal of this offseason should be to fix that defense. There has been, an, I, like, I don't want to fall into the sunk cost fallacy trap and say, well, they've put enough into it. They just need to, like, roll with it. No, you still want to get better if you can. But I think the better way to build a team around Aaron Rodgers or Jordan Love, it doesn't matter, is to load up the skill positions. Because it's not as if the Packers have ignored the defense. And, and this defense, this is going to be the defense that comes back. Jerry Alexander, Devondre Campbell, Kenny Clark, Russell Douglas, Preston Smith, Rashawn Gary when he gets healthy, as I said. You know, Devontae Wyatt, Quay Walker. Everybody except really Adrian Amos is under contract. So this defense is, is set in terms of the players that are going to be on it. You have some ads that you can make. They, they need some help along the defensive front. I think they need to sign, you know, a, a Jerron Reed. Maybe they just re-sign Jerron Reed and go from there. It's the offense where you need to find some more diverse playmaking. You need to find someone who can attack the middle of the field, a slot receiver who can win quickly, um, another running back, a tight end. They need to add some firepower to this team because you're going to get some year two improvements from Christian Watson and, and Romeo Dobbs in all likelihood, but you can't bank on those things. And and the trajectory of a player is, is, is rarely, rarely a straight line up or a diagonal lineup, but it's rarely just all one direction. Usually it's fits. It starts, to, you know, Devontae Adams, really promising rookie season down year two. And then all of a sudden in year three, you start to see the star. Part of that was he was healthy and 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 was dealing with an ankle injury for much of 2015. But the Packers have to keep adding. So with that in mind, I put it together a little mock draft. It's mock draft Tuesday. Because there were a couple names I wanted to just highlight that I think are going to be popular for the Packers and in the range where they are picking at this minute. Okay, because a lot of this is going to change. The perception is going to change. The players, of course, will not change. You know, the the. Um, the draft people and and especially the tape grinders are fond of saying um, no one has played football. So after the combine, they'll go, no one has played football. None of you guys have played football since the last time, since the, you know, they literally were on the field since the national title game. None of these guys will have played football. So don't go crazy with offseason workouts and senior bowl and 40 yard dashes and all that stuff. Right. But. The, the media stock is going to change. So the projections are going to change about where these guys are ultimately going to go. Part of that is driven by gaining information from the teams who are telling reporters, hey, we think this guy's going to go here. We think these guys, this guy's going to go here. Hey, we like this guy. We like this guy. We like this guy. And you can, you can put this together. So at 15, this is my thinking about the lessons uh, mock. At 15, Jackson Smith and Jigba is, is the guy. I've been, I've been going through the receivers. I've watched all the top guys. He's the guy. He is the opportunity to set the Amon Ross St. Brown wrong right. Because he can play from the slot, attack the middle of the field, attack vertically. He's not a burner. He can still get down the field. He's got terrific body control. He's tough. He'll block. He is in young Really like him. He's the he's the one receiver that I think makes sense for, for Green Bay. I don't know. Jordan Addison is tiny. I don't think that makes sense for Green Bay. And frankly, I don't think he makes sense at 15. 
And the same thing is, is true for Quentin Johnston from TCU. I, I He's big enough. I, I think he'll be fast enough, though. I think his speed is a little overrated, honestly. I, I, I don't I don't love that at 15, although I could see it. This is the guy. Smith and Jigba is the guy to me that makes the most sense if you're going to pick a receiver. There's a little Justin Jefferson in there of the, yeah, he played slot, but can he play outside? I think he can. He's got the movement skills. He would be such a great compliment to Christian Watson because Christian Watson can play that sort of Olave deep role. Now you have the middle of the field and they can they can play really well off each other. Um, I, I really like that. At 45, I have the Mercedes Lewis clone, Darnell Washington. Now, Daniel Jeremiah just had Darnell Washington in his first round. Also had Dalton Kincaid from Utah in his first round. And so these tight ends might go earlier than we think. I think the Packers will have some, some option at 45 of one of these guys. I would just love the idea of going wide receiver tight end early in the draft. Get that high end talent. Now, I'm not usually take a tight end early guy. Darnell Washington is different because, and this is why I'm not going to be Michael Mayer guy, I think. Because he's not an elite athlete. And we have seen tight ends over the years. Just find the athlete. Jimmy Graham played. Did you know Jimmy Graham played basketball? Like Julius Thomas for that, that crazy stretch. Former basketball player. They just, they just like, hey, can you play? Yeah. Antonio Gates. Like these guys, you find a really good athlete who can move. George Kittle was not a, not a refined player coming out of Iowa, but he was a great athlete who played with an edge, who you knew was going to help you in the run game and had the physical tools to be a, a middle-of-the-field player. He's turned into one of the best tight ends ever. Darnell Washington is 6'7". He's 280 pounds, but he moves like he's 250 pounds, 245 pounds. He is going to test like a crazy athlete. He can, he can block right away day one in the NFL. And I, I just think... That you can you can bet on that kind of upside. Very little production, but especially in a Jordan Love situation, that's when a player like that really makes sense. Because in year two, year three, all of a sudden you might have, you know, a, a, a crazy block your face off, but also run through your face. I almost said the Marshawn Lynch, Lynch quote, and then forgot we are a kid friendly show. I just I think this combination is awesome because it allows you to be multiple in ways that teams like the 49ers are. And then at 78, I have Sean Tucker, the running back from Syracuse. Um, I, you know, call it a homer pick, but he was the 77th player on the PFF board. And there's a lot of Aaron Jones in his game to me. I, he's a he's a different type of player, though. In that I think he's a little he's a little more twitchy um, in short areas. I, I really like that. And I think the Packers are going to take a running back. I think the Packers need to. Aaron Jones, this might be his last season on the Packers. Maybe two more seasons. It might be A.J. Dillon's last season on the Packers. This is the last year of his contract. It makes sense to draft someone and, and move on. I, you know, unless you want to pay two running backs big time money. I don't, I don't think that makes a lot of sense. Although, if you're paying Jordan Love less, maybe you can afford to do it. But you already have to make a decision on that fifth year option. Yes, you won't be paying Jordan Love much. This year, but you will be paying Aaron Rodgers' dead cap hit if you trade him. So, you know, that that matters too. Um, you don't care about the fourth round pick. It's Byron Young. I, I, 
I, I, I didn't even shouldn't even bother taking somebody because who cares? I, do I think that's what the Packers are going to do? No. But I think there's wisdom and value in doing it that way. Because I think we've seen now, if you don't have three, four, five guys offensively, you just don't have enough. All right. We're going to finish up here, but thanks for making Locked on Packers your first listen. For your second listen, check out Locked on NFL, bringing you the local insights you love to the national spotlight with daily conversations on the biggest NFL stories. Locked on NFL, available on YouTube or wherever you get podcasts. All right, back tomorrow. More on everything going on with the Green Bay Packers. Um, Get an interview or two in the rest of this week. And so um, it's almost almost, um, conference championships time. A game that we thought the Packers might be able to be playing in, but alas, they are not. Follow me on Twitter, Peter underscore Bukowski. Follow the podcast on Twitter, Locked on Packers. Like us on Facebook. Subscribe to the podcast. iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked on Packers. And anytime you want to come hang out with us live, you can do that on Locked on Packers' YouTube page. Stay Locked on Packers.